Thanks, Sarah. I just love Pastor Sarah. Thank you so much, Sarah. How many just appreciate uh, Pastor Sarah, our missions pastor? So thankful for you. And, and uh, let's also just thank our, our amazing worship team as well as they serve us. And let's not forget Justin Wells and all the tech crew up in the back. Just thank you so much. We love you. It's just everybody serving together makes one big happy family. And so we're just so thankful you're here today. If you're new, my name is Ben and one of the pastors here. I'm just excited to share a word with you this morning. I uh, just want to highlight a couple of things as well. Uh, Sarah had mentioned community groups are starting up again uh, next week. And, and so we're excited about that. Yesterday we had a, a gym. In the gym we had the community group leaders training, getting all ready. But you know, in the, in the sanctuary, right where you're sitting here today, the main auditorium, we had over 100 young people in here being trained to start alpha community groups in their schools all over the city. And so I want to say thank you, Lord, for that. And God is at work, and he's mobilizing all of us because to follow Jesus means that we all have a ministry and that each one of us have a calling to walk out. And it's not just pastors and people that work at churches. It's every one of us discovering. And that's why I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet taken our growth track, uh, there are just four steps, and you can start any Sunday. You can start at the 9 o'clock and attend the 11, or you can attend the 9 o'clock and join at the 11. But we want to help you discover uh, everything that God has designed you to be and how you can step out in the ministry God's called you to, to, to minister in. And that's our mission at First Assembly, is that we want to help people to, to belong and then to believe. And we saw these people getting baptized in water here today, taking that public step of obedience and following Christ, that they are believers in Jesus. Wasn't that exciting? Do you know that we had five people as well in the nine o'clock service? So that's nine people today being baptized in water as people are stepping into believing. And uh, yeah, thank you, Lord. That's a golf clap, somebody. Come on, let's give God praise if we're going to, if we're going to give him praise. (laughs) I mean, if we're going to give God praise, let's do a little more than he's golfing. He's on the ninth hole, you know. Clap, 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 clap. Right? Um. <laughs> but we're just excited to see God moving us forward. And uh, so these are exciting days we, that we live in. How many are thankful that you're alive today, that God has a plan for your life, that you're going to heaven, there's good things in store. And so we're, we're delighted. We're in this series right now, This Is Living. This is our third week. And over these weeks, we're discovering together as a church what it means to experience full life, the abundant life that Jesus offered us. And he said that the enemy came to to steal and to kill and destroy, but Jesus said that he came to give us life and life more abundantly, life to the fullest. And all of us this morning, we've experienced, if you've come to faith in Christ, you've You've experienced in your life a a fullness of life, a joy in life that perhaps before you knew the Lord, uh, you never experienced before. And you can only experience that as you experience it, as you accept Jesus and and, and trust in him. uh, Life opens up. But you know, even as we follow Christ over the years, and I've been walking with Jesus for many years, but you know what? My prayer is in this series, God, I want to live at a greater level of fullness. I want to know you in a greater way. I want to experience just more of you and everything you have for me. And I believe that that's your heart today as well, and that's why you're here. And so we're in this series together. Uh, This is living. 
You know, the uh, former British Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, he said this, you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. You make a living by what you get, your income, your work, you're working to, to accumulate, and that's how you make your living, but you don't really live and you don't really experience life unless you understand what it means to give. This morning I want to talk about giving. I want to talk about how giving is living. If you're taking notes this morning, you can mark that down as your title. Giving is living. And as we experience generosity in our lives, and you know, we're, we're a generous church, and that's, that's kind of our reputation in the city that First Assembly has been and continues to be a generous church. What a great story this morning that Pastor Sarah shared with us about how our $10,000 a few months ago uh, was multiplied and, and became $50,000. And this is how God works, that we were able to impact 8,000 uh, families with food and, and with practical needs. And and so our generosity, as we learn to be generous people, this is how the kingdom of God works. Generosity multiplies. And, and many in this place today, that you, you walk in generosity. That's who you are. That's, that's my, my observation of so many in this congregation. But I, I believe that even if we're very generous with our lives, that I think we can all continue to grow. And I think God wants to corporately and, and call us to a place of, of greater generosity. There's people in the room here this morning as well, but this area of generosity is tough for you because, you know, you only have so much and, and, and you know, you're trying to you know, make a living and just get by. But I want to encourage you this morning, as you step out in a greater level of generosity in your life, not only will you get by, but you will truly live the life that God has called you in and generosity, when we think about it, we think about finances. I'm going to talk about that a little bit today, but it's much more than finances. It's an attitude. It's a vantage point. It's a place that we live our lives from. It's a mindset. Any, at any time, we could choose a mindset of scarcity and lack, or we can live in a place of generosity and abundance. And God has called us to live a life, a full life, that we would be big people with large vision, living from a large place. We don't want to be small little misers that are just pinching our pennies in the corner and hoarding things to ourselves, but we want to live the full life that Jesus has called us to live. And how we live that life is we live it big, we live it large, we live it with big thinking, big hearts, open hearts, and we live more generously. So this morning, I believe that this word is going to help all of us move to a greater level of living and a greater level uh, of giving this morning. Would you just pray with me? Father, thank you this morning that uh, you've called us to this time and this place and this season, this day, Lord, to be uh, in this room together. We pray, Holy Spirit, Lord, as the word of God goes forth today, that the word of God itself, Lord, that is living and active, God would change us, would make us more like Jesus, that we would bring you more glory and we would experience the fullness of life that you've called us to in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible this morning, we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy as we just begin 2 Timothy is a letter in the New Testament. It's on the right-hand side of your Bible, uh, if you're new to church or, or new to your Bible. And it's a letter that was written by uh, someone called the Apostle Paul, who was one of the uh, founding members of the early church. He was radically saved. He encountered Jesus personally. He was 
actually in opposition to Christianity, but, but God got a hold of him in a supernatural way, and, and uh, his life completely transformed, and he became a passionate leader in the early church, and, and so much of the New Testament was written uh, by letters that, that the Apostle Paul was, was writing to the churches, and in this particular book, 2 Timothy, he's writing to a young protege, a young disciple named Timothy, who he had walked with and who had, he had helped. Uh, and Timothy now is a leader. And Timothy is leading churches, and he's leading God's people. And so Paul writes to him, and he said, Timothy, these are some things I want to share with you to help God's people, help you instruct God's people of how they can experience uh, fullness of life. And in this portion of Scripture, uh, let's read it together. He says, teach those who are rich in this world uh, not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us, watch this, all we need for our enjoyment. So Paul's saying, God, his desire is that the people of God would experience enjoyment. That God's people would experience full life. You know, God wants for you and me, he wants us to experience joy in life. And he wants, his desire for us is that we would live a full life, not a life of, of lack and and shame, and living in darkness, and in fear, and especially as we become followers of Jesus, that we walk in the revelation every day that God's grace has covered our sins, has forgiven our sins, that we're new creations in Christ, that we're sons, we're daughters, we, we, can, we can walk with a smile on our face, with, with joy, with expectation, with hope, that, that Jesus is, is for us, and, and God is, is for us, and he's working in our lives, and he's moving us to a place of enjoyment. And God wants more and more for each one of you this morning. He wants us to live at at another level, I believe. And that's why we're talking about this is living. God's calling us as the people of God in Calgary to live at a greater level of living. He says, well, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust. And you might be here this morning and say, well, that's for the rich people. That's good. I hope they're paying attention. And you might not see yourself as very wealthy. But did you know that if you are making, according to some of the research that I did this week, if you're making $48,000 Canadian, you're at the top 1% of, of the world's income earners on earth. $48,000 combined household income. You're, you're at the top 1%. So in a room like today, you know, looking around, we're probably living in Calgary, living in North America. Although, you know, some of us may say, well, I'm not, I don't see myself as very rich. We, we are rich and, and we are wealthy and there's a responsibility that we have uh, and we are to take heed to the word of God. And then he says, right here, he says, we'll tell them to use their money to do good. That they should be rich, not only with cash, but they should be rich, what? In good, in good deeds. In good works. And generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And so generosity is more than, than just giving of our finances, right here we see it's, it's in our giving of our time, our talents, our energy, our good deeds, our good works. God has prepared good works in advance that we would walk in them. And God has works for us to walk in that require a greater level of living and a greater release of generosity in our lives. And so verse 19, by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience, look at this here, that they may experience true life. 
This is living. This is living. You may have heard of a man named Malcolm Forbes. Uh, It's a family business, the Forbes Business Magazine. And Malcolm Forbes, uh, he died in 1990, and he was 70 years old. And for his 70th birthday, uh, it said that he spent $2 million on his birthday party. Now, that would be a pretty good birthday party to go to. But he was uh, an American businessman and known for his... His uh, energetic lifestyle, just full of accumulating yachts and boats and travel and adventure. He was into hot air ballooning. He was into motorcycles. He was into all kinds of things. And he just kind of lived his life collecting, collecting, collecting. Just making money and buying stuff and experiencing things. And, and in his, uh, the biography on his life, the man who had everything, Christopher Winans, he, he writes about uh, this man. And he says that, you know, there was one part in the biography where it says that they were on a trip to Egypt and they had gone to experience the, the great pyramids of Egypt. And on the bus ride home to the hotel, after uh, visiting King Tut and his grave and all the paraphernalia that's around King Tut, and he's kind of thinking, man, these pharaohs are, are remembered forever. And he said to the person on the bus ride, he said, do you think the people will remember me when I die? Malcolm Forbes, do you think people will remember me? And we do remember him, and we remember him this morning. We're talking about him. But one of the reasons I believe that we remember him, and, and you, may remember, you may have heard this phrase or you've seen it on a bumper sticker, but the phrase that he made popular, the, the thing that he lived his life on, was this. He who has the most toys when he dies wins. That was kind of his, his motto of life. That was kind of how he lived his life, collecting material things. And, but yet, he died. And the truth is that he who has the most toys at the end of their life, they still die. Uh, they, they still pass into eternity. And Jesus talked about this. He says, what does it benefit you if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? And the world says, get, get, get. And accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. And, and there's a hunger and a feverish desire in our culture just to accumulate things and stuff. You know, every time that we've moved as a family, we've, we've uh, taken the opportunity. Now, I think it's probably good just to move every few years, just for fun. Because you know what you do when you move? You throw away or give away all kinds of stuff. How many know what I'm talking about? Every time you move, you're like, why do I have all this stuff? And it's a great opportunity to evaluate again. But we just collect, collect, collect in our culture. And God has called us to be generous people. God has called us to a lifestyle of of giving. And Jesus showed us by his very life, laying down his life on a cross. And we're going to celebrate together and commemorate a time together at the end of the service where we remember the death of of Christ and the cross. And, but Jesus, it was the greatest act of generosity that he laid down his life. And, and there's a, another way to live. And Jesus showed us that it's not about getting, but it's about giving. And so here's the, the big idea this morning. If you are taking notes, you can write this down. The more you give, the more you'll live. And, and this is how we experience a fuller life, a a, a more abundant life 
is that we approach life from a place of generosity. We approach life from a place saying, how can I give more? And as we give more, we will truly experience living at another level. So what happens when we give? First of all, you're blessed when you give. You're blessed. God, God gives a, a blessing. He, he, he releases blessing upon our lives. It is more blessed to give than receive. This is what the Apostle Paul said in, in the book of Acts. He said, let's remember the words of Jesus, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And how many have found that true in life? It's, it, it's true. You know, like we love receiving things. We love getting things. But, but it truly is a blessing when we live our lives from that vantage point of just of giving, making, making others feel good, making, making, you know, supplying needs for others. And I remember just experiencing this in my own life because we just had Christmas, but I was thinking about this. And when I was a kid, you know, like Christmas was all about the presents that I, that I was going to get around the tree. Do you remember that was the big question at school? Like, what did you get for Christmas? What do you think you want for Christmas? It was all about me and getting, getting. And how many know that getting Christmas presents is a lot of fun? It's great. I love getting. But when I was 12 years old, I, I got my first, I guess, job. And, and it was uh, a paper boy for the Vancouver Sun. And so I had a little BMX bike and I had my little metal backs, basket I had on the front and my, and my bag, my paper bag. And I would go to the, what was called the paper shack Every, every day, and I would pick up my load of newspapers. And back in the day, you'd deliver papers, but then you'd have to go at the end of the month and knock on their door, and you'd have to collect. It was called collection. But I remember, you know, collecting money, and, and I would, get, you know, it was this thing they used to have back then called cash. Do you remember that? And people would give you cash. And, and I remember paying my bill, uh, you know, and after, after you pay your bill, then you have your money, your income. And this, this was the first Christmas that, that I thought, you know what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Christmas presents this year. And so Christmas Eve, I'll never forget it. I had a, a fistful of cash. I went down to London Drugs and I had my mind made up that I was going to buy my mom and my grandma a Christmas present. My sisters didn't matter. My, my dad, he could figure it out for himself. He was going to get socks and soap on a rope anyway. So it's, so, but my mom and my grandma, I'm going to give them a gift. And I I'll remember that I went in and I bought a, a box of, of drinking glasses for my mom, for her kitchen. And, and I put it on my bike and I bought a little ornament for my grandma. And that Christmas for me was so exciting because not only was it about me getting, but I experienced probably, it was so memorable for the first time, the joy, uh, the excitement of seeing somebody open a gift. And generosity became awakened in my life, I think at a new level at that time. And I, I experienced what it, what it means that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I believe that a room like this morning, that we've all had that opportunity to give and, and to experience that joy. But God wants us to live at that, that place in a greater way. I, I think we can all grow in our, in our generosity and grow in the blessing of, of giving. And so you're blessed when, when you give. You're blessed when you give. I want to talk about not only are we blessed when we give, but there is a supernatural provision and abundance that manifests in our lives and through our lives uh, as we're faithful to give. And I, I do want to talk about money just for a few moments this morning because money is, is important. In the last 24 hours, all of us have probably had some exchanges of, of money, whether it was gas in our car or whether it was a coffee on the way to church. I mean, money is something that we deal with every day of our lives. And, and Jesus talks in the Bible more about money than any 
other subject. He talks about money more than prayer. He talks about money more than heaven. Did you know that? And so money's a big deal, and it's important because in our lives, how we handle money and how we honor God with our money uh, allows us to grow in, in areas of generosity that God desires for us. And, and it represents our lives because when we earn money, it represents time that we go to work and we say, well, I'm giving Jesus all my life, but not my money. And, and I'm giving Jesus, you know, I'm giving Jesus everything, but my finances, that's me. But God wants to, I believe, stretch many in this room this morning in a new level of giving and generosity that includes honoring God with your finances. And my heart as I was reading this, you know, Paul's heart was like, Timothy, here's, here's how you can encourage the people to live at another level. My heart for you this morning, I've prayed for you this morning. I've come this morning saying, God, I want to see us as a church move to another level. Yes, we're generous people and God's providing and, and, and we're able to do all kinds of great ministry around the world. But I believe that if we are going to experience a greater level of living and if you're going to experience a greater level of living in your life, that God is going to increase your capacity in this area of generosity. And we see this in Scripture. It's a, it's a promise of God. 2 Corinthians 9 says, For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Do you see that? God's provision is for you as you're generous. And then you will always, and I looked up that word always in the Greek, and do you know what it means? It means always. <laughs> you will always have everything that you need, and look at this, plenty left over to share with others. This is God's promise. I think one of the stories in the, in the Scripture that illustrates this so vividly is when Jesus fed the multitudes and he, he took the little boy's lunch that they found, the, the few fish and loaves, and, and multiplied it. And I can imagine that day Jesus was preaching. It says he was preaching. The day went on and on, and his disciples they, they probably rallied enough courage at some point to come to Jesus. <laughs> and uh, they said, okay, well, excuse me, Jesus. I know you're you know, landing your sermon, your 17th sermon today. But nonetheless, excuse me, Jesus, can I just have a moment of your time? You know, Jesus, this sermon series is amazing. We're loving it. We're all loving it. It's great. Uh, but it's getting late. We're in a desolate place. There's no restaurants around. Do you think that, you know, maybe we could dismiss the people at some point? And, and uh, you know, send them away for some food. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he looks at him and he says, well, you give them something to eat. And so now the disciples had a, had a problem because they're like, well, Jesus is not going to stop. He's going to keep preaching. Uh, this service is not shutting down. We're going into the seventh, you know, sermon series now for, for the day or whatever. And, and, uh, and so they kind of rallied together. Well, what are we, we going to do? And so one of the gospels says it was the disciple Andrew that found this little boy with his lunch that his mom packed for him. And so out of that big crowd, they found this one little boy. His mom packed him some fish and some bread. And, and Andrew, I kind of think he was the youth pastor or the children's pastor. Because what's Andrew? You know, he's hanging out with all the kids. He's juggling puppets, all this kind of stuff. And he finds this little guy. And they said, we found a little bit of a lunch. But this little boy, he said, listen. He said, this is for me. This is my lunch. But he was willing to give what he had to Jesus. It was a, a heart of generosity. And I, I think it reminds us again that as we give to the Lord and we honor God with, with what we have, it's not about the amount, but for him it was everything he had. It, it, for him it was, a, it was a sacrifice. It's really about trusting God with what we have. 
and what we've been given. But what we see happen was that, that, that fish, the fish and the loaves, they were multiplied. And it says that they were multiplied so much that there were 12 baskets left over. I mean, talk about the abundance of God. Talk about the, 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 the principle of multiplication as, as generosity takes place. And this is what God desires for all of us. And now we may go through seasons in our lives where it's leaner. And I know Heather and I, we've journeyed and we've had times in our lives where as we're honoring God with our giving, with our finances, we're being faithful to, to giving to the Lord and, and, and walking in greater levels of generosity, there are times it gets really tight. But you know, one of the things that we keep encouraging each other in when it gets tight, it's not time for us to hoard more. I mean, we can, we can do what we can to say, look, are there some unnecessary things that we're spending on? And after we've done all of that, we say, you know what? It's not time to hoard more and to give less, but it's time to give more to the kingdom of God. It's time to actually invest at a greater level and to give offerings over and above. And so many times, time and time again, it's the story of our lives. All the years that we've been married is we've been faithful to God and said, Lord, we're going to give you no matter what. And we're going to give sacrificially and we're going to give above and beyond what it even feels comfortable. But God, we give this to you just like a little boy who gave a lunch and we know in your hands God that the principle is multiplication the principle is blessing and even though there's weeks that have been leaner than others God has always always provided above and beyond unexpected income and all kinds of things that have come because we've stepped out in faith and we haven't always got it 100% right but I'll tell you when we've when we've made that concerted effort just to be honoring to the Lord. We've seen the supernatural provision and abundance of God take place in our lives. You know, a major part of following Jesus has to do with how we steward what God's given us in this area of finances. And my heart for all of us this morning, some of you are great givers, you're amazing, you just honor God so faithfully. But there's others, and the reality is, if you look at your monthly statements, there's others that you're giving more to your TELUS bill, your TV, your cable, your entertainment, than you are to the house of the Lord each month. And God would be calling you to live at a greater level of generosity. Jesus said that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And if you have a heart for God, you can come and worship and you can come and lift your hands, but I'll tell you where you will see a greater level of living in your life is when you step into a new level of generosity. You will find living your life to the fullest at another level because you will be amazed and surprised at how God opens up the windows of heaven supernaturally over your life. And I just want to let the scripture just, there's some principles in scripture, and I'm just going to read the scripture, and we're just going to let the scripture speak for itself in these areas. There's the principle of first fruits we find in the scripture in Proverbs. And this is bringing God our first and our best. This is why I always encourage people who are growing as disciples in Jesus. I say, you know, bring your first and your best to the Lord, not your leftovers, not at the end to say, well, do I have anything to throw in the offering this week? Oh, I guess not. But to say, Lord, I'm going to honor you with the first of my earnings. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And then there's a promise. It says, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. We also see in Scripture the principle of the tithe. And the tithe means 10%. And it says the purpose of tithing in Deuteronomy is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. And this is is why we say, God, I'm putting you first. And that's why. And in Malachi, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see 
if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So it says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is where you worship. If you worship here at First Assembly, this is your place of worship. That's where the Lord says to bring your best and your first. And you sow it by faith to the Lord. And then it says the promise is that God will open up the windows of heaven. This is the one place in Scripture where it says that we can, test, we can actually test the Lord in this. Uh, my dad, he's a pastor out in Vancouver, and he told me about this young adult that was coming to their church for a while. He had connected to the young adults group, and there were some people sharing the Lord with him, and he was an atheist. He said, well, I'm an atheist. He said, I've never been to church before. So the young adults invited him, and he started coming for several months. And at one point, he told my dad, he says, well, I'm not an atheist anymore. He says, but I'm an agnostic. He goes, I think there might be a God, but I don't know. And my dad got up, and he preached a message on tithing, on giving God your first fruits and your first and your best. Several months went by, and this young man came up to, to my dad, and he said, listen, he said, I'm still not a born-again Christian. He goes, I'm still, I still got a lot of questions about this faith. He says, but you know that sermon you talked about, about giving God your first and your best? He says, I've been doing that. He says, and what's really interesting, he says, I got a promotion at work. He says, I got some unexpected income that came in. And he goes, he goes it seems to work. <laughs> and I just want to encourage you this morning. God says, this, these are principles. There, there are principles in God's word. And some of you are like, well, I'm not going to give to the Lord because, you know what, I'm not really right with the Lord. And if I give, you know, like I'm not really on track with Jesus and I'm not really reading my Bible enough or, you know, God probably won't fulfill his promise because, you know, I'm not doing my part. Listen, an atheist or an agnostic experienced the blessing of God as he honored God with the principles. There are companies, there are, you know, TV shows that, that give to the poor and renovate people's homes, and they experience the blessing of God at incredible levels. They, they just experience the, the, the abundance of God. The super, there's a supernatural release as we choose to be bigger people, to honor God in his word, to, to walk in the principles of scripture in our lives. And I just want to encourage you this morning. My, my heart is for you. And it's not about the amount you give. It's about it's about participating together as a church. And I just want to encourage you. I know that there are some here today, I just want to say, keep on going. Keep on being faithful. There's others here this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to really say, am I honoring God regularly with the first fruits? Because I believe there's a supernatural provision and abundance that God wants to release over your life. And finally, this is the most important thing about growing in generosity is we become more like Jesus when we give. We become more like Jesus. It's, it's not just about finances. It's like I said at the beginning. It's about an attitude, and it's about actions of generosity in our lives. And as we have an attitude and a heart that, 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 that says, I don't want to live in scarcity. I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to live in, in just hoarding everything for myself. But I want to be a person that lives at, at a new level of generosity, I truly believe as we say, God, help me with that, that we're going to live at a new level of living in our lives. And it's not about if I do this, then God's going to do that. It's not a bargain. It's, it's not about trying to manipulate or, or do something that if we do this, then God's going to do that. If, if you think it's that, you're missing the whole point. It's about saying, Jesus, you've been so generous to me. 
Jesus, you've been so good to me. You, you laid down your life. You died on the cross. You gave everything. And God, in his nature, he's a giver. John 3.16 is God so loved the world that he what? He gave because God's a giver. God is a giver. It's who he is. And as we become more generous, we become more like Jesus. And it's also true that as we become more like Jesus, as we grow in the word and we grow in the things of God, then we do become also more generous in our lives. And God wants to release us at a new level of generosity in every area of our lives because there are so many people that need to experience the love and the power of Jesus in their lives. And I believe the secret to the miracle of multiplication and the miracle of the grace of God that flows from this house is when God's people get a hold again, saying, Lord, I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to live at another level in my life. And we'll see God move powerfully. I'm going to ask the worship team to come at this point, but I've shared with you likely before, but if you're new here today, you may not have heard me talk about this, but when I first started out in ministry, I worked part-time at a a church as a youth pastor in Vancouver, and I also worked part-time at a downtown ministry that was called Operation Compassion, and it was helping people who were living on the streets with with addiction and and homelessness, And every day we'd open our doors and people would come off the street and we would help them with things like clothing and emergency food. And we were just there to, to pray for people, help people, encourage people. And the levels of brokenness that I experienced just working down there for two and a half years as I was part-time there and part-time at a local church, God just, he did so many things in my heart. But one of the things that I really learned was from some of the people that I served with. In particular, there's one lady, her name was Audrey, and she was one of our key volunteers. And she was one of the most generous people uh, that I've ever met in my life. And there was a couple that would come in, and they were boyfriend and girlfriend, Barry and Justine, and they would come in, and, and Barry, he had long hair, and, and when they walked in, you knew they, they were there because you could smell them. I mean, they, they were people that they didn't shower. They were addicted to drugs, needles up, you know, needle marks up and down their arms. But over time, I got to know them, and, and they were regular clients, and they would come in. We would load them up with clothing and food, and I got to know their story. Barry was from Alberta. He was from a, a good family in northern Alberta, lived on a ranch, grew up on a ranch. He got involved in, in mu- the music industry, and he overdosed on drugs, and then he found himself you know, months later, living on the street and addicted. And he'd been down on the street there for several years when I met him. But he met a girl on the street, and her name was Justine. And Justine was from a pastor's family uh, from Winnipeg. And as I heard their stories, these people that smelled so badly and looked so broken, and I realized they had, they had stories. They, they, were, they were people that, that God loved. And, and so we tried to be as generous as, as we could. And and I remember in one particular occasion, we had given out you know, all the emergency food that we had. And Barry came in. And one thing that kind of ticked me off a little bit about Barry in particular is he always wanted more. Like you could load him up with jeans and shirts and food. And, and he'd say, is there any more? I want more. I want everything you have. I'm like, he's kind of a hoarder. But this lady, Audrey, that I worked with, the most, one of the most generous people I've ever met, I remember one time we ran out of food, and she said, listen, we're out of food. But I said, Barry, sorry, we're out of food. You have to come back tomorrow. 
And Audrey said, hold on, just let me be right back. So she went back to the back room, and she came out miraculously with food. I don't know what she did. She multiplied the, the fish and the loaves in the back, but it was probably her lunch. And she goes, here, Barry, here's my lunch. And I was just so blown away by her generosity. Sometime later, I ended up resigning, and now I was full-time at the church. And a couple years after that, I was preaching at a camp on Vancouver Island. And I got a phone call from Audrey, this volunteer, and she said, do you remember Barry and Justine? I said, yeah, I, re- I remember them. She said, I've been journeying with them and working with them. And she said, we found a, a recovery uh, retreat for them and a home for them on Vancouver Island. They're doing great. They've given their lives to Christ. And, and, and I told them that you were preaching at this camp nearby. They're just like a few kilometers away and they want to come to the service. What time is it? And so I told them. And So I, at the end of the service, I remember uh, finished preaching and this young couple walked up to me just sharply dressed and I didn't even recognize them at first. and They smelled good. They looked good. They're smiling. And the gentleman reached out his hand. He said, my name's Barry. And, uh, and then the late, young lady, Justine, and they were engaged to be married. And, and they said, we've given our lives to Christ. And, and they said, we wanted to just thank you for, for your generosity, basically, and just for loving us when we were in a place of brokenness. And, and I remember that moment just saying, Lord, I don't really feel like I did very much. I, I think we just opened the doors and and, and I felt even at times like I didn't want to be generous with them as much as I kind of cared about them and they were clients of ours. And, but Audrey was the one that just, she was the one that kept journeying with them. When, when other people, when I left, when I resigned, when the doors were still open, she was the one that continued to reach out, continued to be generous to the point where they, they found a place for them, a home for them to, to come to Christ. And I just remember just tears and just, you know, being very emotional in that moment and just realizing that, it was generosity. It was generosity. It was continual generosity. It was people, especially Audrey. It was people that lived with a mindset of, I don't, I don't want to live in scarcity, but whatever I have, it's yours. If we can give you food, it's yours. It's clothing, it's yours. If we ran out of food, we'll find some food. Uh, if we can get you to, to a recovery center, we're going to get you there. We're going to pay for your way. We're going to do everything we can to, to help you. It's it's living with a mindset of generosity that will transform our city. And it starts with you and me just stepping in at new levels and saying, God, I don't want to live in scarcity. I want to live the, I want to live the abundant life. I don't want to be hiding in my home, you know, bean counting and scarce and, and worried about, I, Lord, I want to live in a supernatural release of generosity in my life. And I'm going to honor you, Lord. I'm going to honor your word. I'm going to honor you in my giving. I'm going to honor you with first fruits. And God, every opportunity that comes my way, I'm just going to live from a vantage point of generosity because Jesus, you've been so good to me. We become more like Jesus when we're generous. The more we're giving, the more we're living. The more we're living. The ushers are going to come at this time. As we focus these moments at the conclusion of our service on the cross again. So let me read some scripture. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You see, generosity is an attitude. And though he was God, he did not think of equality with God 
as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on the cross. And therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue can declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The worship team is just going to lead us and as the ushers pass out the communion this morning, I'm just going to ask you to hold on to the, to the bread and to the cup just for a few moments. And we're just going to share the time of communion together. But, but as we do, I want to encourage you to focus again on the generosity of Jesus, how generous he has been to you and me. And let's invite him in this communion time to say, Lord, transform me. God, I'll, I want to live at a new level. I want you to work in my life today. And just be reminded of the cross and just receive his forgiveness and his grace that we could live at a new level in our own lives as we think about and we reflect on the generosity. Jesus has been so good to us. And so we're going to worship and just receive the bread and the cup. And then we're going to partake together just in a moment.